Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Facebook and, and, and acts like, 
uh, ISO, you know, in search of, you know, recommendation, whatever. You know, we can ask people what they want, what they've done. Like, we just live in a different world today. I don't need you knocking at my door all the time. Come on, you, have you ever been at dinner and you're at the dinner table and it's like, oh, I have a nice dinner with my family. Ding dong! You're just eating your, your steak and, and your potatoes and, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah. come on, come on, mom's in the room. You have to put the kid down for a nap. Yeah. You put the kid, I've seen people with signs. They put on their door now, like, child sleeping, please don't bother me. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to start doing that. Our kids don't nap, unfortunately. But I'm just going to start doing that. I'm just going to start saying, hey, kids sleeping all the time. <laughs> Come on, mom, you've you had that happen. Kids sleeping. It's like, finally, you got the, the baby down, right? Ding dong. Dog screaming out bargain, and kids start crying. Oh, now you want to go strangle them? You don't care what they have to say. Yeah. Never fails. Like, you go to sit down. Finally, I get to sit down. Come on, dads. It never <laughs> fails. You go to sit down. And, and so I, I go to go. Now I just stand up a lot. Because I know as soon as I sit down, I'm just going to get up again. Finally, sitting there reclining. Ding dong. Serious. Just sat down. I'm going to get up. Never fails. It's so annoying. Sometimes you just go up there and you answer the door, and even before they say anything, listen, I know you got a job to do. I am not interested. Right? What about when distraction comes knocking at our door? You know, those little things that get our attention? Sometimes it's like sin, sometimes it's temptation and things trying to, to get our attention, right? We're trying to live for the Lord, we're trying to raise our family, we're trying to uh, you know, fulfill our, our purpose and everything, and all the time, distractions. Comes like, what do we do then? We need to learn to like do this with distraction, right? Distraction comes knocking. Oh, what's that? Yeah, I'm not interested. Listen, I got work to do. I got a plan. God's got a plan for my life. I'm not interested. You need to go. Devil, not today, Satan. You need to go. I got things to do. God's got a calling on my life. I, I don't have time for this destruction, this mess in my life. So, you know what? Have a good day. There's so many times destruction comes knocking at our door in many different ways, shapes, and form. And we've got to learn to recognize that that's a distraction. We've got to learn to recognize, hey, I don't need this right now because I've got things to do. I've got things God needs me to do. Yeah. All kinds of distractions. Fear, failure, worry, doubt, negative thoughts, your past, that flirty coworker. When you had a bad day, so your old buddies, Jim Bean and Jack Daniels, come knocking at the door. Right? We got one to see that and say, no, I'm not interested in this anymore. Well, I don't have time to be distracted. God has a plan. But come on, listen, your life is too short. Your calling is too great. And God is way too good for us to live. Distracted. Right? So we've been in a series called Dealing with Distraction. How do we, how do we deal with it? How, how do we recognize it? What do we do about it in, in our lives? So today we're going to close that series out and learn to close the door to distraction. You guys ready? Come on, we, 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 we got stuff to do. God's got plans for us. There's things going on in and around us that God wants us to do. He's calling us to really just to live for Him. Sometimes we face distractions even in doing that. Let's learn how to close the door to those distractions today. Turn to the book of Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 6, starting uh, in verse 1. As you are turning there, some of you might need a little extra time to look for that, because it's not like a, uh, a really well-known book, so to speak, unless you're just like deep into Bible stuff. You probably know where it is, but Nehemiah chapter 6. Why are you looking there? Let me just kind of set up what's kind of going on to this point. About 587 B.C., you guys remember King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Babylonians, uh, they attacked Jerusalem, uh, destroyed the city, the temple, uh, and, and the Babylonians take the Jewish people captive. Decades later, some of the Jews are, are released, and they go back to Jerusalem, back to uh, these ruins in this city that had been destroyed. There's no economic system. Uh, there's no leadership structure. There's no hope. Um, and, and 140 years after the destruction, 
this ordinary guy named Nehemiah has a burden for his people, for, for a burden for his town, for, for his people. He begins to, to just be brokenhearted over what has happened to his city and his people. And this guy, Nehemiah, he's not a pastor, he's not a priest, he's not a contractor, he's not a, he's not a warrior, right? he's not verified. What we find him is that he is the cupbearer for the king of Persia, Artaxerxes. He didn't have like this formal appointed position, but he had a passion. He had a passion for his city, he had a passion for his people, he had a passion for his God. Now, he, he was this Jewish man that, that had been uh, put in service here to, to the Persian king. He was a cupbearer, so that meant that not only was he in charge of serving wine to the king, but he was in charge of tasting the wine so that they would make sure it didn't poison the king. That's what the cupbearer was. And so that was Nehemiah's job. And so we see in Nehemiah chapter 1, after 70 years of exile, the Jews uh, were returning here to their homeland. Now Nehemiah and some of his friends are returning back home to the town, and he begins to get word of how things are going there. So uh, you don't have to necessarily turn here. This is not our key text. We're, we're hanging out in Nehemiah 6. I'm just going to read uh, Nehemiah 1, verse 3 real quick. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed. By fire. So the wall is significant. The wall was their main protection around the city. It kept intruders, it kept the enemy out, and that wall had been destroyed. So it doesn't matter really if these people move back home. They're, they're unprotected. Does that make sense to anyone this morning? It was the security from their enemies there. So the people were vulnerable. They were at risk. The enemies could easily come in and attack them at any time. The walls, these walls, these walls of Jerusalem, they have been broken down for 152 years. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah gets this word about his hometown, he gets this word about his people, and he begins to get this burden in his heart. And has God ever given you a burden in your heart for something? Maybe for a people, some family, some lost loved ones, some lost friends, maybe there's some cultural issues in the world. There's a lot of things in the world right now that I know we have burdens for this country. The abortion issue, human trafficking. There's so many different things that, that many people get, get a burden for. It's like, man, this, this upsets me. This angers me. Like, someone should do something about that. And that's where we find Nehemiah. Upset, frustrated. Someone. Someone needs to do something. If you ever find yourself in that place, maybe you're looking around in your life, your family, your neighborhood, this world that we are living in, and you're like, man, someone needs to do something. That someone just might be you. But that burden may not just be a burden that you feel. It may be something that God is calling you to do something about. This was Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, it says, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. This was Nehemiah's response. I've got this burden. God, I, like, like I'm, I'm brokenhearted over this. Someone needs to do something. And what is his first reaction? It wasn't a Facebook post. He doesn't go in there and complain about everything that's wrong with the world. He doesn't go in there and complain about this thing and that thing and oh, woe is this and, and oh my goodness, I can't believe they did this and, and just go in there and, and do like this huge Facebook rant. Now, obviously there wasn't Facebook back then, but, but, but that's not his response to just complain about it and to just sit there and wallow in it and get mad. No, what is Nehemiah's response? He prays. His response was not just to cry over it, but God, God, you need to do something. He fasted. And he doesn't just sit there in one moment and, and pray about it. And I gave it to the Lord. No, he keeps praying. And see, that should be our response to everything in this life is to seek God, to pray to God. God, God, I don't know what's going on in my life, but Lord, I need you. God, I don't know what's going on in the world right now, but God, they need you. Like that should be our response. That's how we get focused. 
Because there's going to be all kinds of things that come into our life that are going to distract us. They're going to get us mad. They're going to get us upset. We need to give it to the Lord and learn to our first response be to pray about it. When you diligently seek God, it will change how you think and it will change the motives of your heart. It will align your heart with the heart of God. It will, it will not only align your, your, your motives, it will not only align your, your thoughts and just your life, but it will lead you to action. Because as you see God, as you pray about it, we're not just praying about it just to, to, to God be my diary at the time. Hey, hey, God, here, here's how I'm feeling. So, and, and we just dump all our feelings on God. But no, praying is a two-way street. It's, hey, God, I'm, this is what I'm dealing with. Now, God, what do I do? And we sit and we wait and we listen. And then as God speaks to us, we do. That, that's what prayer really is. So as we do, as we seek God, as we put it first and whatever, it, it, it'll, it'll reveal God's will for us. It'll start faith in us. It will lead us to a purpose. And that's exactly what happened for Nehemiah. He had a burden. He was struggling with it. He was wrestling with it. And he prayed about it. And it led him to action. Maybe you have a similar moment. Maybe you held your child in your arms for the first time. And you thought to yourself, man, I want to be there when they graduate one day. I want to be there when they walk down the aisle. I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to, I want to be able to see some grandkids. And, and if that's your goal, then guess what? It, it starts today. Uh, it starts with how you live today. It starts with you being present in their life. You want to be present uh, later on in their life? Be present in their life now. Pray over them. Pray, pray that God would lead them to the right person. Like, 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 there's things that need to happen now and, and not just wishes. Wishes don't wash dishes, y'all. Perhaps it's when you get that late payment or that eviction notice and you realize, man, this has been a cycle in my life and then I'm just done enough so that I'm tired of being behind. I'm tired of being late enough so enough. I'm, I'm tired about it. This is a burden. I need to, I need to change this this way of my life. So you, you begin to pray about it and God leads you to, to tithe and, and put him first in that area. And then, then you learn how to budget and maybe you get some Dave Ramsey stuff in, in the middle of all that too. And, and you learn how to really uh, pray over your finances. Maybe it's the abortion issue that, that really bothers you. Pray about what God will lead you to do because just being bothered about it isn't going to work. So maybe that's getting involved with the pregnancy care center here in town or, 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 or volunteering or, or giving to that. If it's human trafficking, if it's foster care, maybe it's fatherless homes. That's a burden on my heart. That's an epidemic that a lot of people don't talk about. There's a lot of fatherless homes in our society today. We need dads to show up. It could be several things that's just a burden on your heart and and you need to pray over it. Pray about it. Nehemiah starts to pray and he fasts. And after hearing this news of Jerusalem, he says, I'm going to go. So he goes to the king. And he asks permission. King, uh, you know, can I do this? This is my heart. This is my burden. This is God. I believe God is in this. I believe God is calling me to this. Can I, can I go? And the king allows him to go, right? Like, it would have been easy for him to think, oh, this is just so terrible, y'all. Can't believe what they did to my hometown, and, and I'm just I'm just so sad, and then just sit there and not do anything, right? It would have been so easy, but he doesn't. He doesn't do that. He doesn't. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't just go on uh, with his life and just hope something better happens. No, he gets up and he does something about it. He wasn't a mason. He, he wasn't a builder. He wasn't a you know a professional contractor. You know, say he was a professional drinker, right? literally. Some of you might like that job, but you, you shouldn't. So he goes to Jerusalem to inspect the damage and see what, like, what, what's the extent of really what's going on. And he gets there and he sees the rubble and he sees all the broken pieces and he sees just the, the destruction that is there. And he rallies the people together. Like he has one of those brave heart speech moments. Like he rallies the troops. He brings everybody together. He gets all the priests and, and, and all the, the, the common people and the nobles and the leaders and everybody. He just brings together and he's like, listen, the town's in ruins. This shouldn't be. This is this is a disgrace. We're gonna build this wall. Come on. Are you with me? I, I'm not talking, don't, don't try to put that in today's context. Like, uh, we ain't talking about it. Okay. 
And all the people gathered up. Yes, we can do that. We can do that. God is with us. And they began to work. But as they began to work, as they began to build, they began to face opposition. They began to face some opposition. See, word gets out to some of their enemies. And hey, they're trying to build this thing back up. The moment you take any step of faith, expect opposition. Any step, any step you take to Jesus, expect some opposition. Whether that's giving your life to Christ and Jesus, listen, I've been running to a lot of things in my life. I'm going to run to you now. When you come into my life, will you be Lord of my life? And the moment you make that decision, expect some opposition. Because the enemy doesn't like that. The devil doesn't want that. He wants you far away from God. So expect some opposition. Anytime you try to uh, say, hey, listen, I know my marriage is in trouble. We got we to fix this. We got we to gotta pray about this. Come on, come on, spouse. Let's, let's pray together. Let's get together. Let's go to counseling. And you're going to face some opposition. Anytime you make a decision to lay that thing down that's been an attraction in your life, and whether that's a, an addiction or, or just some, some, some bad habits or whatever it might be, that sin, and, and you decide to say, hey, listen, I'm tired of this. I'm going to lay, lay it down and going to face some opposition. You might take a stand for God on your job or at school. You're going to face some opposition. You might choose to pray instead of worry. Or maybe it's the moment you decide to stop running from God and start running to you. You're going to face <clears throat> some opposition. There's going to be distractions that are going to keep you from focusing on God and who He wants you to be and what He wants you to do. All right, Nehemiah chapter 6. I, I was just getting started, y'all. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. We'll, we'll read to verse 4 for now. When word came to Sambalah, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and that a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalah and Geshem sent me this message. Come. Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. If anybody invites you to come and make a deal at a place called Ono, you need to just don't go. Because that's Ono. We're not going there. That was just a little fun joke. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop? While I leave it and go down to you. Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave the same answer. Let's pray. Father. Oh how we need you. God there's distractions all around us. We live in probably the most distracted time. In the history of the world. God how do we stay focused. On you. On your plan for our life, on who you're calling us to be, and the things that you are calling us to do. God, help us, Lord, to recognize when distraction comes. God, when it, when it comes knocking at the door, Father, may we have the, the faith to stand. God, may we, may we be in a place where we, we have spent time with you, and we are in tune with you, where we know your word, so we know what is true, and we know what a distraction is when it comes. And God, we're able to look those things in the eye and say, listen, I'm not interested we can close that door. Today, God, if there's any distraction in our life, Father, may we learn to close the door to it. In Jesus' name. And someone said, Amen. Amen. So, at this point, in chapter 6, most of the project has been completed. The walls have been built, gaps have been closed, they've just got the gates to kind of finish up things, and, and word has gotten out. This isn't the only time that they hear from the enemies, um, but, but I really wanted to focus in on this particular time, because there's multiple events that kind of get in here and the enemies distract uh, what Nehemiah and these people are doing. And so, so word gets to Nehemiah, hey, come meet us here, no, no, and, and, and let's, let's make a deal, let's, let's talk things out, and, and, and just see if we can work things out, right? And, and, and Nehemiah recognizes this. Hey, this is, they're just trying to get me to stall. They're stalling us, right? They're, they're, they're trying to get me to take my focus off of what's going on and, and maybe take some, some downtime and, and, and offer me a nice little uh, you know, weekend getaway just to hang out with them. And, and this is just a distraction. Listen, uh, learn to know when distraction knocks, right? Learn to know what that, learn to be able to recognize, hey, this is a 
distracted. Hey, this is not of God. Hey, this is not something that we need in our life, in our home. Like, this is it's something called discernment. It's something called discernment. You know, discernment is the ability to judge matters according to God's word, according to God's way, according to his, his spirit. Right? It's, it's being able to recognize, hey, something's off here. I don't like it. I gotta check in my spirit about this. Like y'all, y'all see all these memes now they're putting out with all the red flags on it. Like, hey, this is a this is a red flag, right? Like, like I don't I don't feel right about that. That's discernment that comes from from God from His presence from the Holy Spirit. We're often deceived by outward appearances, but the Lord He doesn't see as men sees, does He? In First Samuel sixteen chapter seven. It, God said, I don't look at the outward appearance. I, I look at the heart. And there's some things that we need, to, we need to trust our gut on. And if you're filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, come on, you, you, your gut is filtered through the Holy Spirit. That says, hey, I don't like how this feels. I, I got to check in my spirit. This don't seem right. Hey, this don't line up with God's word. I, I, don't, feel, I don't feel like this needs to happen. Or I don't need, this is a distraction. And we see Nehemiah recognize that, hey, this is a distraction. I'm not coming down to you fools. I'm not hanging out with you jokers. I got work to do. Use this. Discernment. We've got to learn to use discernment in our life. I feel like it's a lost art to us. We don't even like calling it that, but you know what I'm saying. We've got to learn to use discernment. There's a lot of things out there uh, that are going to come to us. It's going to be a distraction. It even looks good on paper. There's some things that are good, but they're not God. And we learn how to know how to recognize that. We, we need to learn how to trust the Holy Spirit when we fill that check. Right? What, what does that look like in our life? You know what? On the outside, sex is awesome. I said it. That's right. It's amazing. I got quiet. Come on now. Loosen up. Look. It is. Man, God created it for us to have inside of what? Inside of marriage. Right? Outside of that, there could be great consequences to it, right? A fire is best inside the fireplace, right? Outside of that, it ruins all things. You know what I'm saying? On the outside, that career move, it looks great, but maybe it's something that will lead you to compromise your values. You gotta learn to recognize that, right? Trust God in, in, in the middle of all it, She might seem great, and you might think she's the one, come on, single folk. But man, you don't know yet, she's crazy. <laughs> I'm going to look this way because there's a lot of y'all You better learn to recognize and trust your parents' judgment. They're going to be the best. Trust God, too, above all things. But mom, if mama, come on, fellas, if mama says, hey, I don't like this little girl, you better trust it. And trust daddy's, uh, come on, John, I know, I know you're familiar. Like, you better trust daddy's intuition. You better trust his check in his spirit. I don't like this thing, Harry boy, coming around here. <laughs> Better trust it. On the outside, the apple, if you, if you go back to Adam and Eve, if you go back and read that text, it, it, the Bible says that it was pleasing to Eve's eye. It looked good on the outside. Yet she and Adam ate it, and they compromised not just their relationship with God, but all of our relationships with God. They lacked discernment. You want to close the door to distraction, use discernment. One time, Haley and I, we were out um, at the spaghetti warehouse out in Newmar. I don't even know if it's still there. It's closed. Man, it was so good. And we were there one time out, out for a date. And we're eating, and, and it wasn't too late. You know, all the clubs, they get cranking up like way, way late past our bedtime now. And so, um, and so like, let's just kind of go walk around and see if there's anything. And as we walked around, man, we, we just started to get like a check. It was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't feel, this don't feel right, baby. Like, it's not, it's not where we're supposed to be. So we decided to leave, of course, after the gate. But <laughs> we decided, decided to go, man, something don't feel right. There's a check in our spirit. You might get that watching a certain show, a certain movie, like, ah. No, that don't, this don't feel right. You need, to, you need to get that with your kids, too. There's some things that maybe your kids don't need to be watching, parents. And you need to get that checked because maybe they haven't developed that yet. You might, you might feel that when you're dating someone. Like, eh, the red flag. Trust that. 
You might feel that when you're making any kind of decision. Something don't seem right. Use discernment in your life. How do we develop that? First, if you want to see things as God sees them, get to know his word. That is our litmus test. That is our standard. That is the plumb line. That is, that is the chalk line. For years, they've tried to move that line in our society. And that's why we can't trust that. But God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust that. You can hold on to that, and that, that is our standard. That is our, that is our chalk line, our plumb line in, in our life. So if you want to be able to use discernment, you need to know God's word. That means you've got to read it. Second, discernment comes through spiritual maturity. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says that discernment is something spiritual babies don't have. Like, you, you ever see a, a little baby? They stick anything in their mouth. I don't have no teeth. Oh, here's a Cheeto. <laughs> Any kind of toy goes right in the mouth, right? Oh, a stick. Yeah, seems okay. Yeah. But as they mature and as they grow and as they realize, oh, I don't need to put that in there. That's not what that's for, right? We need to learn. We need to grow. See, this is why this is one of our core values here is that we grow. We don't want to stay the same. We don't, we don't want, God is calling us to deeper things in Him. God is calling us to, to grow in Him, to grow in our relationship with Him, to grow in our prayer life, to grow in our, our faith, to grow in, in our intimacy with Him, to grow in our knowledge of Him. Now, I'm not okay with just standing still, because if you're, if you're just sitting still, then you're not growing, then you're dying. God is calling us to Him. So let's go, let's run, let's, 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 let's become spiritually mature. People, and the third thing is that discernment can be given as a gift from the Holy Spirit. And we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Seek Him for that. And He'll reveal it in the right times. There may be some moments, there may be some opportunities, there may be some people that come your way and it looks good, it seems harmless, but it will distract you from who God is calling you to be and from what He's wanting you to do. Don't get distracted. Focus on God's Word, on His voice, on His presence. Be led by His Holy Spirit. We get led oftentimes by our emotions. We get led oftentimes by, by some fleshly desires. We get led by a lot of different things. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let God lead you in your life. Someone here today, you need, you need to recognize. Look at someone say, you need to recognize. That distraction is going to come knocking at the door. And today you need to be like, hey, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. This is distraction. This is just trying to get me off track. This is just trying to get me uh, away from God and what he wants me to do. I don't have time for this. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does. Four times. Four times they come knocking. Nehemiah, we want you to come. No, I got work to do. Nehemiah, come. No, I've got a mission. Come on, Nehemiah, we want you to come. Four times. Nehemiah recognizes it every time. Says, "No, I'm building a wall. I'm doing something. These are these are distractions. I don't have time. Some of you need to do this and say, you know what? I'm not interested. I don't have time for this. This is a distraction because I'm praying through this thing. I don't have time to, to be distracted because I'm taking care of my family. I don't have time to, to, to be. I'm busy loving on other people." I don't have time for these distractions. Come on, use the sermon. Learn to know when distraction knocks. Four times, Sambalot sent word to Nehemiah. So when that doesn't work, he tries it from another angle. He comes at him another way. So let's look at verses 5 through 9 of chapter 6. Then the fifth time, Sambalot sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations that Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I think I'm going to verse 9 here. I say in reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making that up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands would get too weak for the work, 
and it will not be completed. But I pray, now strengthen my hands. But four times, come back to rest. We want to work something out. Four times, same message. Four times, Nehemiah rejects him. Now he comes a fifth time, and he comes at a different angle. Distractions can discourage you, or they can make you more determined. So what do they do here? They try to use a rumor. They try to use a lie. Hey, so we heard this, and we, we come to know that it would be true that, like, you're trying to start a revolution here. You're trying to become king. There's already a king. We're going to let him know, so you're going to have some problems. Nehemiah's like, no, like, that's a lie. That's not what's happening here. You're making this stuff up, right? So they, they try to use this rumor and this lie to distract him. It's, it's like a scare tactic, right? Listen, you'll never do big things if you're distracted by small-minded people. There's going to be things said about you. There's, there's going to be uh, you know, uh, people that try to speak into your life that really uh, don't understand what you're trying to do. They don't understand your calling because it's your calling and not anybody else. They're, they're not going to understand why you're following Christ the way you're following Christ. Someone's always going to have something to say. Don't let it distract you. Right? You're, you're going to have... Um, family, they don't understand why you tithe and give so much to the church. That's not their business. Don't worry about that. Don't let that distract you. There's going to be people that are going to tell you, hey, you need to quit praying because it really doesn't work. Don't let them distract you. There's going to be values that you hold to that people won't understand and they may think some type of way about you. We're not here to please people. We're here to please God. Don't worry about it. Don't let it distract you. Don't let someone else's opinion of you disrupt God's calling for you. Don't worry about what people have to say. Worry about what's true. Worry about what's true about you. Worry about what's true in, in God's word. Like in, in sports, you know, there's a lot of trash talking, right? Come on, I know I got some sports people in the room. Like, there's a lot of trash talking in sports, and, and I can't stand it. Like, it makes me so mad. And, and I hate seeing it. Like, you're watching football, and you're watching the game, and, and you know, they're all jaw. They're trying to get in each other's head, trying to distract each other, right? And they're talking trash. And, and I just love it when you see one guy, he's John, he's talking trash, and then he gets burnt the next play. Man, I love that. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care if it's football, basketball, baseball. I don't care. I love it. Love, see, I don't care if it's my team that's talking trash and they get burnt. I just, I can't stand that. I, that's why I've learned, I've learned, I'm not going to go on there and, and tra talk trash on Facebook about somebody else's team until the game is over. Because right? then I want to I earn that right. So, like, yesterday, like, I would have loved to say, oh, man, Georgia, you stink. But I knew what was going to happen. So after the game, you, you didn't see, I didn't post nothing. It's just not on you. Don't let someone else's opinion disrupt God's call for you. Nehemiah comes back out and says, what you're saying is not true. This is where Nehemiah chose to live, is in the truth. I'm not going to listen to you. You're not going to distract me. You're not going to scare me. We have a plan. We have work to do. God is on my side. I don't care what you have to say. You're just making it up. And instead of letting opposition discourage Nehemiah, it made him more determined. Come on, when you, when you let distractions like stir you to say, hey, I've got this coming against me. I must be doing something right, man. I'm going to keep praying harder. I'm going to worship even louder. Devil, you, you can't come against me, man. Come on. God is for me. I, I, I'm going to worship even louder. In verse 9, Nehemiah says, he prays now, God, strengthen my hands. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep working, Miss Barbara. I'm going to keep... Yeah, this, is not, this is a distraction. It's not going to stop me from completing the... So I picture him lacing up his boots a little tighter. Tightening up his work gloves, turning his hat around backwards. Picking up a hammer, chugging a Gatorade. And I mean, I've got work to do. God has a plan for this. My purpose is in not in what other people think. My purpose is not uh, in any of those things. It's in who God created me uh, to be and what he created me to do. You can think whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. I'm going to hold on to what is true. That's how we fight up against distraction. So he kept working now with a greater determination. What gets your focus? What gets your focus? As you're, as you're going, as you're living your life, as you're raising your family, as you're trying to, to live for, for God, what, what's getting your attention? What's getting your focus? Your focus determines your results. 
So if Nehemiah would allow this to, to be like, you know, make him afraid or something, oh my gosh, they're going to tell the king, oh, what am I do? You know, like, he, would, he would have stopped, he would have stopped, they would have, they would have not finished maybe. No, he's like, no, I'm not going to let this scare me, I'm not going to let this distract me. I'm going to become even more focused. Why? Because I'm going to complete this thing that God has called me to. A third attempt now comes to distract. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Look at verses 10 through 14. Nehemiah 6. One day I went to that also. Shemaiah, son of Deliah, son of Mehetabo. Probably ruined these names. My apologies. Who was shut in at this home. He says, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? What a statement. Should a man like me, should I run and hide? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realize that God had not sent him. But that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. So they come at him again with a third attempt. This is the third and final attempt to distract him. This man, uh, Shemaiah, was said to be a prophet, but he was not. And Nehemiah had the spiritual maturity to be able to recognize that, hey, this is another attack. This is another attempt to distract me. This guy is not a prophet. And how did he test that? Right? This prophet tried to get him to go and hide in the temple. Because who Nehemiah was, he was not able, allowed to go in the temple. That was the, the law. That was the rule. Only the priests could go in the temple. So they tried to tempt Nehemiah to go in there until he would compromise and commit a sin. Nehemiah believed this religious talk, he would have sinned in order to give others a reason to find fault and discredit him. If you want to stay focused on God's plan, you got to close the door to compromise. Recognize this distraction. Recognize that, hey, this is going to take me away from, from God's plan. This is going to take me away from God altogether. I don't need this in my life. Close the door to compromise. They were trying to get him to compromise out of fear. What God's word has to say about compromise. Deuteronomy 532. Be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you to do. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Psalm 119.3 says, Joyful are those who do not compromise with evil, and they walk only his paths. It would have been convenient for Nehemiah to try to escape and say, All right, well, I'm just going to hide and, and ride this thing out. That would have been convenient. Don't compromise your conviction for convenience. Just because maybe it feels good or it feels right or, or, or it would be easy. Sometimes we do things because it's easier. Sometimes it's more comfortable. Listen, don't compromise your conviction for convenience. Verse 11, Nehemiah said, and I love, I love what he said. Should a man like me run away? Should a man, should a God-fearing man like me run and hide? Should, should, should a man with a plan Come on, God has brought me too far to this one. We have built too much. We have done too much for me to run and quit and hide now. And I feel like some of you need to hear that today. God has brought you too far. He has done too much in your life for you to say, hey, I'm bowing out now. I'm hiding out of fear. Come on, close the door to compromise in your life. It's not worth it. It's not worth it.
we don't compromise. We look at that car, we look at that thing in the face, that distraction, and say, you know what? I'm not interested in it today or in it. Close the door. This works for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for everything. Listen, don't forfeit any of this. What is God leading you to? What is that for you today? Is it, is it your family? Is it, is it that particular purpose or calling that he has for you? Is it your relationship with him? There's so many things that you can answer that question with. What is God calling you to? Whatever it is, don't be distracted. Shut the door. It's not worth it. So what kept Nehemiah so focused? No way. Jesus would have no. 
Jesus came to do was for you and for me. He suffered, he died, he rose again for us. So life is too short and your calling is too great. And God is too good for us to live distracted anymore. So when it comes knocking at your door, when distraction comes in the way of sin, when the distraction comes in the way of fear, when the distraction comes in the way of negative thoughts, when the distraction comes in the way of Thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.